The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Bonald Schmilzer. So with 2018 coming to a close, this is a good opportunity for us to look back at the year and reflect on some of 2018's biggest AI news, trends, and use cases. And for us to think about, of course, in future podcasts, maybe the year ahead. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get started reflecting on the year that was. So first, there was just a crazy amount of VC investment. So the environment in general was really crazy. And as much as investors were interested in AI in years past, it seemed like in 2018, venture capital just went absolutely bonkers for AI. And we've talked about this before, you know, funding many companies at increasingly eye-watering levels. So the U.S. and Chinese companies in particular received a lot of funding, billions and billions of dollars in funding. So some of these companies include Dataminer, Silence, Pony.ai, and they're now, you know, the so-called venture unicorns with valuations over $1 billion each. So in our podcast number 57 is VC funding for AI overheated. We discussed these huge rounds of funding by various AI companies in both the US and China. So in contrast to previous technology waves, where Silicon Valley was really just, you know, the undisputed champion of this startup funding, for these AI-focused companies, we found that no one location can be claimed as, you know, the new hub and nexus for startup creation. So these companies, though, are, you know, as much as these U.S. companies are making waves, we found that Chinese companies actually are being overtaken with the investment. So there's a lot of Chinese companies that have just got ludicrous amounts of investment money. Some of these include SenseTime, Yitu, ByteDance, and they're just raising billions of dollars each. And what we've seen is it's mostly from government funding. So it's clear that investors and governments alike see this as a really big opportunity and a strategic opportunity for putting money into AI-related startups. Yeah, so for anybody who's been tracking the AI ecosystem and all the technologies, and you're looking at the funding amounts, if, if you care about that, you're like, oh, this American company or this European company you know, raised $20 million. Like, oh, that's a good round, you know, yeah. $50 million. <laughs> and you're like, this Chinese company raises a billion dollars in a single round, right? It's kind of almost like so hard to even fathom how much money that really is, mm-hmm. right? And one company in particular, you mentioned ByteDance. Well, first, we talked about SenseTime multiple times in our podcast. But ByteDance raised so much money that it's even starting its own venture fund. It's like it raised $3 billion, which is a ridiculous amount of capital. And it's using some of that money to invest in other companies. So clearly something is going on here. It's hard to actually truly understand what is really happening here. I mean, is this a market thing? Is this a strategic dominance thing? Is this like a financial thing? This is just the best way for Chinese companies to deploy their money. Is something else happening? I don't know, but we're definitely, you know, we looked back on this a lot in 2018 and we analyzed it and we're going to continue to do so in 2019. But this really begs the question, are these investors smart? And is this going to last? So Uber and Lyft both have plans to go public in 2019. What's that going to mean for overall AI markets? 
and what other companies, specifically AI companies, plan to go public and will go public in 2019. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about that in our predictions podcast about who we think might actually go public or get acquired in 2019. So the other thing that we spent some time in 2018 talking about was that the voice assistants, as many as there are, are out there in the market, they're still pretty dumb. So, you know, 2018 was really a big year for voice assistants. You know, these devices, they got a huge boost in the marketplace because so many companies were pushing them. It's like, you know, especially if you're looking at Black Friday, this year in 2018, it's like you could get a deal on any voice assistant. So we had the Amazon, the Google, the Microsoft, the Apple Assistant, the Samsung, the all released devices this year, 2018, in a variety of colors and shapes and sizes and features, capabilities. You know, some have cameras, some don't, some are small, some are large. So, you know, basically, if you're looking at a device like that, you should be able to pretty much afford them. Maybe someday they'll come in your cereal boxes. So they're <laughs> yeah, just, they might. There are just so many of them. You get them for free in the mail with your magazine subscription. People still read magazines. So, you know, the thing about these things is that we're starting to see 2018 a little bit of differentiation in this voice assistant market. We're calling the voice assistant market. You know, obviously, some of them are hoping for greater adoption in certain use cases. You know, Amazon started pushing the video capabilities, and Google and Apple are really fighting on sound quality and some of the consumer tie-ins to the rest of the Google brands and the Apple brands. You know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you know, Google has really started to do some interesting things with their Google Assistant. You know, their creepy demo of Google Duplex, which caused some ethical headache in terms of people not necessarily really knowing what they're talking to bots. We talked about that in the podcast, the implications uh, and also newsletter, the implications of Google Duplex. So you, know, you can read a little bit about that. If you're not familiar with it, they were trying to demonstrate an interaction between an intelligent assistant bot and a, a real life human scheduling a hair appointment. And they did one or two other cases. And people were like, well, they didn't like the fact that people didn't know if it was a bot. It was pretending to be humans at ums and ahs and pauses and laughs and that sort of stuff. And people didn't like that. So... <laughs> But despite this, you know, we thought this was going to be the end of Duplex. If you've been following the story, Google does plan to roll out Duplex in that fashion to a limited number of users by the end of 2018. So here we are. Yeah. Now at Cognolytica, what we really care about is the intelligence of all of these voice assistants. So over the summer, we released our voice assistant benchmark. And you can listen to that in our podcast number 49, Surprising Results from the Cognolytica Voice Assistant Benchmark, to learn more about the results if you want to dig into that. But in general, all these devices really have a long way to go before becoming intelligent. So we also will be releasing another benchmark in Q1 of 2019. So keep an eye out for that. But overall, what we found is that these voice assistants are still pretty dumb, what we're going to say. You know, everybody, we asked it 100 questions. We asked all of the, a number of devices, 100 questions, and all of them got failing grades. So some were better at certain things than others. And they're all continuing to get, you know, smarter every day with different capabilities, you know, and different use cases and answers that they're able to provide. But overall, they still have a long way mm -hmm. to go from being just generally intelligent and really useful. Now, I think, you know, you might think, why are we bothering with this intelligence? As people ask all the time, why are you sitting here? If you go to the Cognolytica site, you can see the link to the benchmark and we do videotape them. So you'll see some of our erstwhile summer interns clicking on, you know, having a computer generated voice. It was, it was an Amazon Poly voice asking these voice assistants, all these seemingly dumb questions like, you know, what is blue plus red and what is 10 plus 10? And, you know, how much do a pound of peas weigh? And you're thinking, well, okay, well, this is kind of silly. First of all, if you think there are smart speakers, then this is definitely a silly test because what does this have to do with being a smart speaker? Which is ironic because it's got the word smart in it, which is, of course, is the one use case that's not intelligent, right? So it's like, if you want them to be intelligent, you call them voice assistants. But if you don't want them to be intelligent, you call them smart speakers, which doesn't make any sense to us all. We hate that term, smart speaker. It's a dumb term. So we hope that term goes away. But if you ask Google, Amazon, Microsoft, 
Apple, well, they don't really talk much, and Samsung, what they want their devices to be, they'll tell you they want them to be more than just smart speakers, that they want them to be truly helpful assistants at home and at work. Well, then it makes them, you need to test their intelligence. And of course, when we say they're not very smart, they, just, they look at us sideways. So I would say expect us to be pushing more on this button in 2019, especially if you want them to be more useful. So we've just talked about how voice assistants are dumb, but software bots are dumber. <laughs> and so when we look back at 2018, this intelligent process automation market, or do we call it cognitive automation market, what's really, really going on here? So 2018 seemed to be the year that investors, they were really brought into this whole RPA, robotic process automation market. Somehow, though, RPA and AI continue to get confused. So we've talked about this many times about how automation is not intelligence. And we continue to talk to hundreds of enterprises about their AI plans and, you know, where they really see RPA fitting into that. Without a single exception, we found that the firms that we talked to, which have been numerous, they view RPA not as an AI technology, but rather as a stopgap to get them from this human-intensive system to automated systems. And that they themselves do not see RPA as AI, but really just as a transitional technology. So the first generation of RPA, which is just taking repetitive tasks out of the hands of humans and then encoding that into a you know, software automation activities that are repetitive. The next generation is cognitive automation. And that seems to be, you know, making progress, but that's making the processes themselves more intelligent. And that's going to have the ability to change and move. Right. So the idea is that it's not just about making repetitive tasks able to handle things like documents. That's, I would say, pretty trivial. Anybody who wants to use OCR technology or natural language processing technology, you can get that off the shelf. So if you have a dumb bot that's just repeating the same thing over and over and over again, saying, oh, well, now it can basically read a document or like read the screen. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's nice. But it's still just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think what really gets us, I would say, mad, especially me, it gets me very mad, is that, first of all, we just talked about this in the very first point here and that they're raising so much money, right? And we're thinking, okay, well, how can a company like, well, I won't name the company name. So how can one company raise like $550 million in 2018? Another company raised, I think, like $300 million in 2018. And there's another company that's public. Like, what is going on here? Do we really have all of a sudden people realize, oh, we have this big automation crisis and now we need, you know, these dumb bots? We don't like it because people are retroactively going back to research reports that they wrote in 2011 and rewriting them to be about AI when they never were about AI to begin with, right? No matter, you know, if you go out and you see a report saying, we coined this market in 2011, six years ago, we named the RPA market. Oh, by the way, it's about AI. It's like, well, if you read your report, you don't use the word AI a single time in that report. So how is it that all of a sudden now it's about AI? Well, the answer is it's never been about AI. It never will be about AI. The whole idea of this is that really RPA is about helping with an automation task, and it's incredibly useful for those repetitive tasks where you have a human doing the same clicky-clicky all the time. Clicky-clicky for a human, expensive. Clicky-clicky for a machine, not so expensive. But we don't care about that. We are focused on AI and machine learning. So what we hope is that in 2019 is the year that RPA, if we didn't define it for you, is robotic process automation. We hope it actually goes out of fashion as being considered as an AI technology. We don't mean that it goes out of fashion being useful or valuable, but just we hope that the terms RPA and AI are not used together in a sentence, right? That doesn't mean it's not useful, but rather that it's not part of the cognitive technology family. So we need to evolve to the next step in our intelligence journey, or operational intelligence, you want to use that term. And that really requires moving up levels of the cognitive automation hierarchy, 
heading towards something we called autonomous business process. We have a whole podcast about that. We've written multiple times about that. But if you are listening to this podcast and you put RPA and AI together in a sentence and you don't use it in an ironic way, then we're going to tell you that you're wrong. You should stop doing it. It's 2019. It's time to, to stop doing that. So I think it's time to put this to rest that automated software bots are dumb. And that's okay if that's what you're looking for. Not everything needs to be artificial intelligence. And we've talked about that. You know, you have to make sure that it, that you're using the right use cases for that. But if you want something more intelligent, then robotic automation is not what you want. So we're going to be continuing to discuss this in 2019. So make sure that you continue to follow us to help get more guidance on that. And think we also are going to be doing an upcoming report fairly soon on that. So you can look for that as well. All right. So moving on to more dumb things. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting. 2018. Well, Sophia... Let's talk about Sophia here for a moment. I'm talking about dumb and Sophia. You can use those two words in the same sentence. 2017 was the year that I think that Sophia kind of like first kind of came out and everybody was infatuated with this interesting bot. And 2018, I remember the beginning of the year, it was like Sophia, 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 all over the news. It's like Sophia becomes a citizen of Saudi Arabia, right? Oh, yeah. Where women can't drive. That's a whole other story, right? So well, they give now it, they can. I know. Talk about crazy irony. irony <laughs> in 2018, now they can. Wow, thanks. Saudi yeah, Arabia. welcome to the 21st century. And Sophia was like on all these late night news things. And, and Sophia, being interviewed and get, being on the speaking circuit. Right. And so it was like this infatuation. And I think what happened near the end of the year, you started seeing people sort of digging, finally digging a little bit deeper. And the love affair, I think, is kind of over, which is great because we think that Sophia, you know, more people are seeing Sophia for what it really is, which is an animatron that's been pre-programmed to say certain things and have certain conversations and enthrall, you know, less savvy audiences who, who are easily wowed by this kind of stuff. And, you know, it was like, you know, don't look behind the curtain. Don't ask too many questions. Don't go off script. Actually, they would, Yeah, it, I think they actually said that if you're going to interview her, you can't go off script. Don't go which, off script, which of course is like, well, then... It's crazy. Yeah, how is this any sort of revolution in artificial intelligence <laughs> if I can have the same level of conversation that I can have with a Chuck E. Cheese bot? So, Pretty much. So just like with RPA, we're like, we're tired of talking about it. I think with Sophia, we're tired of talking about it. A lot of people are tired of talking about it. If you come to us and say, I want my bots to be as smart as Sophia, we'll be like, okay, let's have a sit down here. It's they like, probably you know. already are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this also leads us into pseudo AI. And that came about in 2018, or that really came to light in 2018 as well. So we have talked about this in a newsletter, and we also did a podcast on this. It was podcast number 48, pseudo AI, faking it till you make it with AI. And really, our question is, why is this even a thing? So pseudo AI is when companies are using humans to pose as machines pretending to be humans. Yeah. And some good examples of the pseudo AI is that, you know, you'll have companies like Edison Software that were supposedly bots that can automatically read your email and and come with smart replies. Turns out there were humans involved in that. (laughs) You know, you have X.AI, which is this kind of becoming well-known calendar scheduling software as well as Clara that were using, that could read your email and automatically schedule appointments for you. Mm, Guess what? There's some humans involved there, the Mechanical Turk. You know, a company called Expensify that was supposedly doing machine learning on expense reports and invoices and receipts and things like that had humans in there. And, you know, even Facebook was doing that a bit with their M Messenger virtual assistant. And it all came to light. There was a Bloomberg article, I think, that came out about this. There was a few articles that came out about this. And yeah, I think The Guardian had one as yeah, well. Yeah. And it, it was just like, we're like, oh, really? So to explain this a little bit further about why this is even a thing, what we say is it's easier to fake and it's harder to make. 
So either these companies are trying to solve these hard problems of AI, but they're facing these short-term realities that, you know, they just have this technology capability that they're not quite there yet. So they're using this as a stopgap. Or there's the harder truth that this AI technology is just not capable of delivering on the promises that these companies are selling. We've seen this before. This is what caused the first AI winter, where we over-promised and under-delivered on the technologies and the capabilities of artificial intelligence. So we're hoping that these companies aren't doing that because that's not great. I think for the industry in general, that's mm-hmm. not great for people's expectations. It's not great for the industry. And then we also had talked about this a little with venture funding, where VCs are not always very patient. So that could be another reason why these companies are doing this so-called pseudo AI so that it makes it seem like their technology is a little bit more capable and delivering on the promises that they have promised to their funding. Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways, we really do hope this is temporary because we look at those companies and we're like, yeah, it'd be great. You know, machines should be reading invoices. Why are humans doing that? Why are yeah. humans, you know, responding to stupid scheduling emails? I mean, this is a great use of machine learning. But if the technology is not there, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. And if the technology mm-hmm. is there, then it kind of begs, well, why are we doing this? So we hope this goes away. If this doesn't go away, then we got a problem. This is sort of like, is AI being used as a marketing gimmick? It's like, you know, if this was 20, no, I shouldn't say good, I can't go back that far. But if this was 10 years ago, right? And you had a company that was in the scheduling system be like, you know, send us an email and we'll schedule your calls for you. And they didn't use AI anywhere in their description, right? Would people still be interested in it? Or like, does it matter that there's a human involved? They go like, well, I don't really want a human you know, scheduling my doctor's appointment for very private reasons, you know, <laughs> or, right. or whatever, then you're like, okay, well, then that's an issue. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And people were getting really upset over these companies and these use cases in particular because they didn't disclose that there were humans reading this. So they didn't think that, you know, there was a third party privy to all this information. So will this still be a thing in 2019? We're going to keep an eye on it. And we also asked the question, should this really have ever been a thing at all? So, you know, another thing that we like to reflect back on when we look at 2018 is how various countries are strategically coming up with AI plans and initiatives. So it seemed that, you know, in 2018, governments all over the world started to take notice of the importance of AI technologies and how it's just going to have an impact over the lives of its citizens and its overall economy. And then as a result, companies or countries started rolling out their AI goals and plans. So we did take a deeper look at this in podcast number 56, our AI strategics importance, a look at different countries. But just to kind of give a recap of it and where we see this, a little over a year ago, China released a three-step program outlining its goal to become a world leader in AI by 2030. And then this year, their initiatives have also made it clear that they see AI both as a strategic and a competitive advantage. So the U.S. also has doubled down with its strategic AI planning, and the Pentagon announced this year that it has plans to invest $2 billion in Mm AI-related initiatives. We've also talked about how there's a ton of companies in the U.S. that are investing heavily, heavily Mm -hmm. in AI as well. China as well. Right. So I think the idea here is more than just venture capital investors looking at AI as like a market opportunity, which obviously happens all the time, but it's more that countries are looking at AI strategically as like some sort of strategic advantage for them. So not just the U.S. and China, you know, Europe is jumping in on this thing. You know, they're also betting big on initiatives. You know, the France's president, Emmanuel Macron, he released the national strategy for AI in 2018 with plans to invest more than 1.5 billion euros in AI-related research over the next five years. You know, Germany jumped in with the Cyber Valley, the new tech hub in southern Germany, but also they've also invested significantly in their AI initiatives because they have such 
such a huge well lead, but also really just a big position in autonomous vehicles and all that sort of stuff. You know, we're even seeing stuff coming from all over the place. United Arab Emirates, they have a big plan. Saudi Arabia has a big plan. And South Korea has a big plan. And Japan, of course, is, is heavily involved. You know, all these countries have announced major AI initiatives in 2018. Right. So overall, 2018 was the year of the country-level AI strategy. And we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this as we move into 2019 to see which countries are living up to their promises and then how each country is progressing towards their AI goals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we believe AI is can be strategic. I mean, just like computing, just like the internet, just like mobile. These are all strategic things. Of course, some countries really have more resources than others and have more technology capabilities. So we'll have to see how that happens. So speaking of platforms, you know, from a country level, we can go now to a technology level. You know, the other big thing for 2018 is that if you've been following the cloud vendor space and AI, they've all dramatically increased the AI machine learning portions of their cloud platforms. So all the major, you know, every vendor has a major show. You know, Microsoft has their build and their big cloud conference and Google has IO 2018 and IBM has Think and Amazon has AWS reInvent. And if you go, if you could literally spend all year just tracking those big vendors and their conferences, but they all had big announcements, you know, just in summary, just some of the more interesting things that came out of there of these events, you know, we were recently kind of working back in time, actually, Amazon had, you know, dozens of AI announcements at their AWS reInvent. I mean, you know, some of the more interesting ones is they announced a little toy car called Deep Racer, which was a way to help people learn how to do reinforcement learning. And they have like a deep racing league. But of course, to their core cloud platform, there's like new instances for machine learning. They added a whole bunch of stuff to their Recognize and to their SageMaker, which is their whole machine learning platform. And to make use of all that stuff, they announced a free machine learning training academy. I don't know what the exact term they used for it, but you can actually sign up and get free courseware on like how to do machine learning, how to do AI. It's pretty impressive. Of course, the exercises and the classes use AWS technology, and that's not free, but you can learn how to do it. (laughs) They even announced something called Textract, which was their entry into OCR. So you can go on and get OCR tech, OCR plus plus, as they call it, and a whole range of machine learning models. Like that are for they have healthcare model, they have a model for forecasting, they have a model for recommendations and personalization, all that good stuff. So anyway, that's Amazon. Microsoft announced also a lot of updates to the Azure machine learning cloud. They have a whole bunch of stuff on AutoML, which is their ability to automatically find the best algorithm for you, tune it, the algorithm, do all that stuff just by looking at your data, which is kind of cool. And of course, a whole lot of stuff focused on the developer experience, expanding that around for machine learning and AI. You know, Google also made a ton of announcements for IO 2018. This year for Google for IO 2018 was really weird because this is when they did the Google Duplex demo. So they got a little attention there. But they did a bunch of other stuff. They have this new thing. You know, they're making Gmail smarter with something called Smart Composer that can automatically finish your sandwiches, sandwiches. <laughs> if you're familiar with Frozen. And also did this thing called ML Kit. So if you want to build machine learning for your phone, for Android, of course, but also iOS. So you can build cool machine learning features there. And of course, something called Google Lens. They have this like little machine learning thing. And of course, IBM, they've got a cloud platform too with Watson. Yeah. <laughs> they announced a whole bunch of stuff. They did a whole bunch of things around this thing called data science experience. And we were on a really deep briefing with them about that. And a whole bunch of stuff around their service centricity. So all these platforms became much bigger in 2018. Yeah. And as Ron said, all of the major companies that made announcements. But it's interesting to see the difference between these platforms because it's clearly in their audiences. So Amazon is focused on the customer, primarily on everything that Amazon does, which is a lot. And Microsoft is still primarily focused on the developer, even if they say they're not, and kind of the data scientist. And then Google is focused on expanding their own offerings like Gmail and Search and Mobile, which also clearly caters to developers. And then IBM is really about building out their own services. So much of the changes, but 
things are still the same. Yeah, right. So much changes and everything still stays the same. So we're going to talk a little about this in our 2019 predictions podcast. You should definitely listen to this about where things are heading with AutoML and pre-trained models. But I think that's where we see these platforms really starting to build in their differentiation. You can be like, yes, they all have the same algorithms, but it's all the same math. Everybody, it's the same math. No two companies are going to implement deep learning differently because there's one way to do it if you're going to use backpropagation, right? So what's the difference between an Amazon and a Microsoft and a Google and IBM? Well, it's all the models that you'll get to start with. All the data that you do not need to bring and train yourself. That's where they're going to build in all their differences. So we're going to take a close look at that. So another thing that we saw when we reflect back at 2018 is that some pretty notable robotics companies went bust. So bye-bye Rethink Robotics and bye-bye Mayfield and bye-bye Jibbo. So we had written about this a little as well, but to recap it, you know, Rethink Robotics was forced to shutter its doors in 2018 because they were unable to raise the necessary capital that they needed to stay afloat. And Mayfink Robotics and Jibbo also shuttered their doors in 2018 because they were unable to find customer demand materialize for their offerings. So it's interesting to note this because, you know, we talked about how AI and VC funding are going gangbusters. But within the robotics space, we've had so many notable companies, you know, go bust. So why? So on one hand, in 2018, money just seemed to be flowing for these AI startups. Then on the other hand, money wasn't so readily available for the robotics companies. So we'll have to see where the wind blows in 2019 for venture funding of AI-related companies. And we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. But it was notable that in 2018, we saw so many, we'll say, you know, respected and notable mm-hmm. robotics companies close their doors. Yeah. For those of you that are not familiar with Rethink Robotics, they actually invented the whole cobot concept, which is the idea of machines and humans working in very close proximity. And the idea that you're not going to have these big industrial bots, but you'll have these like little helper bots that are meant to help humans, right? They're the augmented intelligence version of the industrial bots, right? And the person who was behind all that, very well-known AI researcher, Rodney Brooks, you know, he was the founder of Rethink, just like he was the founder of IS Robotics. He was unable to raise for himself and his firm the capital necessary, despite the fact that the cobot space is still going strong. If you mm-hmm. look at the, you'll see there's a company called Universal Robotics that's doing great, and a few other companies, Kuka Robotics is out there, and a bunch of others. And so it kind of makes you wonder a little bit, we'll have to keep track of the robotics space. I'm not saying that worry about the robotic space. But whatever the dynamics are, it's like you could be a crazy Chinese facial recognition company and raise $1.2 billion. You could be a <laughs> an American robotics company that's doing interesting, innovative things with cobots and not manage to raise $20 million. It's like very... Interesting and yeah, yeah, puzzling. A is unique what I was space, mean. yeah. So let's get into the real world use of AI. You know, 2018 was also the year that we just saw use cases everywhere for AI and machine learning and cognitive technologies just across the whole board. You know, a widespread traction enterprises across a wide range of industries and use cases. And if you take a look at any of the infographics that we've done on Cognolytica, any of the writing that we've done for TechTarget, any of the stuff that we've done in any of these places, you'll see that AI is being applied pretty much in every industry from retail and pharmaceutical and restaurants and logistics and healthcare and oil and gas and mining. And it's like, you know, listen to all the podcasts we've done here too, like all these at Boeing, you know, and ING. And they're all real. They're not like, well, we think we're trying something. We have a couple of crazy interns. No, it's not how it is. They're like doing them for real use cases, right? Yeah. So in 2018, this was the year that chatbots became pervasive in customer service and AI-enabled IT self-service management became a thing. 2018 also, we saw predictive analytics companies applying machine learning magic and becoming AI-powered analytics companies. 
We also saw companies develop advancements in natural language processing, and that gave enterprises more visibility into all of their unstructured data. 2018, we also saw AI-enabled marketing and the concept of hyper-personalization gaining a lot of traction, and companies are starting to realize the benefits of, you know, marketing to one instead of marketing to many, and how augmented intelligence in a marketing context can do a lot of benefit for these companies. So we also saw enterprises using AI and cognitive technologies across a wide range of use cases, from Internet of Things and edge devices powered with AI and ML. And like Ron said, if you take a look back at any of our podcasts or any of our infographics, you'll see really, really great use cases of how companies are applying AI just in general mm-hmm. and how they're doing it now. It's not a thought or a, right. a dream for the future. And it's not just like dumb automation stuff. It's like <laughs> yeah. real real machine learning, real actual applications of cognitive technology. So you know, one of the other things we noticed in 2018, you know, retail really jumped on the AI bandwagon. Of course, it's because of Amazon. Amazon's like, you know, like a huge force and whatever Amazon does. Everybody has to do just to keep up with Amazon, you know, whether it's automating their factory or their distribution warehouse and doing, you know, recommendation systems, whatever they're doing, they have to do too. And of course, the biggest thing that Amazon really announced in 2018 was Amazon Go, their sort of semi-autonomous, mostly autonomous AI and visual <laughs> recognition powered retail self-service store. You walk in, you carry out the goods you want. As long as you have, I guess, your phone with your Amazon account on it, it knows to charge you. So, you know, just in case you might have thought that was like a one-off or like some sort of crazy little experiment, they announced at the end of this year, plans to launch over 3,000 Amazon Go stores. That's right. They're going to launch yeah. 3,000. So that means, think about how many cities they are of any size. Every city is going to have at least one Amazon Go store, maybe two. So that's sort of a, a big thing. So, you know, we're seeing use cases all across the board. I think 2019, we'll keep seeing more interesting use cases. And will Amazon Go become the new convenience store of tomorrow? Mm, maybe. I know. Can I get a Amazon Slurpee? <laughs> <laughs> Tasty. I know. Tasty. We also saw autonomous vehicles really, really rise to prominence in 2018. So, you know, 2018 is going to stand out with autonomous vehicles for a few reasons. So first and foremost, Uber's self-driving vehicle was involved in a fatal accident. So this was the first self-driving vehicle that struck and hit and killed a pedestrian. So we've talked about this extensively in our podcast number 29 about, you know, the first autonomous vehicle fatality and now what? So to recap that, just in case you didn't get a chance to listen, Uber's self-driving vehicle hit a pedestrian crossing the street, and this caused the company to put its self-driving initiatives on hold. And so Ron and I in that podcast talked about a whole bunch of different perspectives and who could be at fault and, you know, what caused this. But in general, you know, it was obviously a a very sad situation and it caused Uber to put its self-driving initiatives on hold. And then other autonomous vehicles companies soon followed suit and put their autonomous vehicle programs on hold for a little while as well. By the end of the year, Uber was back on the roads with their self-driving vehicles, but in manual mode. So I'm not really sure how autonomous that was. Yes, you know, baby steps are warranted in this situation, but then that's not really autonomous anymore. And then actually, Uber, a few weeks ago, admitted some of the blame for the crash mm-hmm. because of a lack of oversight. Right. So they kind of knew what was happening. So it wasn't just Uber. Tesla had a, a, some big crashes in 2018 as well. They had an incident where a driver was killed while the tr- car was in autopilot mode, things smashed into a median between yeah. the, the barrier between the two. And like, was the driver paying attention? And of course, does it matter? It was in autopilot mode. So there was a whole lot of conversation about whether the autopilot and Tesla is really ready for a prime time. You know, but you know, the interesting thing about 2018 is that by the end of the year, 
It's like we had that, we talked about it, but they were kind of like back in business, right? So by the end of 2018, we had the first commercial self-driving cabs. You can actually now hail a cab. I think this is only in a very small part of Phoenix, I think is where they're testing it out right now. But you have to be in there and there's like a lot of limitations and there's still a human there. But this is Google's Waymo unit uh, announced it's Waymo One, which is the availability of commercial self-driving rides. And clearly, even though it's commercially available, it's still in test mode. But, you know, as Kathleen mentioned earlier, we're starting to get notifications. A a ride-sharing company, Lyft, is also rolling out brand new self-driving cars in certain cities like Las Vegas. So I guess we're back in business with autonomous vehicles. Yeah. So, you know, it's clear that 2018 was really a watershed year in pushing the autonomous vehicle industry forward. So we're definitely keeping our eyes on the road for 2019 and we'll see where this industry progresses. We're very interested in it. And if we go to Las Vegas again, we really hope that we do get an autonomous Lyft ride. I think part of the reason why people are paying so much attention to autonomous vehicles is because it combines so much about what people expect autonomous things to do. It's like get in a car and it drives you places. And people are just still enamored with the whole, I don't want to drive my own car thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I could be doing something else besides driving. Right. Yeah. People just do not like the whole thing. It's a dream that we will not give up on. I know. So that's why this keeps pushing it. So I think the other thing that got pushed. So one of the things we talked about, this ethics issue has to do with, of course, the autonomous vehicle, you know, hitting a real pedestrian, causing a real fatality. It's no longer theory. It's like in real life. But there was an awful lot of ethics problems in 2018. As a matter of fact, 2018 was really the year that all tech companies really bit the big one on ethics and responsibility. And I think really, I think, you know, maybe at the beginning of the year, people might have been willing to give Google and Facebook and Amazon, all these companies, like a little bit of a pass with their data. Be like, but I love Amazon Prime, but I love Facebook, but I love Google search. Now they're like, I don't trust any of you guys with my information. So we're just going to give you a little recap, just a short recap of some of the major ethical headlines that came out for 2018. So 2018, the big thing, Cambridge Analytica, the whole fiasco came to light in March 2018. It feels so long ago, it does. but it was only March 2018 that people found out about it. And if you're not familiar with the whole Cambridge Analytica thing, basically 270,000 Facebook users downloaded some app called This Is Your Digital Life. And from that, this company, Cambridge Analytica, got 87 million Facebook user profiles. So we're able to extract all this information. And now- and repeat those numbers again, because it's yeah. 270,000. That's it. Only 270,000 right. people completed this survey. And from that, they got 87 million 87 million Facebook right, users. Right, right. And it's profiles. because basically Facebook just was leaking too much information. Basically, mm-hmm. by giving, you know, they gave third-party app developers permission to acquire all sorts of data. You get their users' friends' information, friends' mm-hmm. or friends' information, all the things that they like. And so, you know, this really resulted in a whole, basically, a big poop storm for everybody. And the majority of these people whose data they got never gave permission to either Facebook or Cambridge Analytica to get that. So this was a big issue. And of course, you know, just two months after this disclosure, Cambridge Analytica was already out of business. Facebook's reputation took a hit and then the whole ball started really rolling. Mm -hmm. And Cambridge Analytica really got the brunt of this, but it's Facebook too. Yeah. So, you know, other notable things that happened, Facebook and Google and Twitter all testified in Congress. Facebook was also involved with Myanmar's ethnic cleansing. Palantir deployed snooping in New Orleans. I think that was around predictive policing. Mm -hmm. Facebook and Apple released facial recognition technology. Microsoft announced a partnership with ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Google's project Maven was disclosed. It was their partnership with the DOD. There was a flawed algorithm in the United Kingdom that resulted in the deportation of thousands of students. They were tagged as having invalid student visas when they actually didn't. 
And then another really notable thing that happened was GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, which was really for the EU, but sort of became worldwide law by default. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you're storing any information from any European citizen or in a European data center, you have to comply with all these privacy regulations, which pretty much meant that, look, no one knows where their data is at this point. Pretty much, yeah. So might as well just comply. So the world is complying with GDPR. So this all happened in 2018, but there's more. These are all the things. (laughs) Amazon disclosed that it's helping police with its facial recognition technology. And sort of in response to that, some activists came out and they tested it. And Amazon's facial recognition wrongly identified 28 lawmakers as criminals. We'll make a decision whether that's true or not, but generally it wasn't. You know, California (laughs) unveiled their Consumer Privacy Act, which did more for storage and management of data. IBM Watson got into trouble for recommending unsafe and incorrect cancer treatments and its AI-based diagnoses. You know, the Housing and Urban Development Department filed a complaint against Facebook for violations of its Fair Housing Act. And then there was, of course, a huge Facebook security breach, you know, earlier this year (laughs) with over 50 million users' information being disclosed. Of course, that was topped by Google+, which which had another bug, which disclosed also millions of users' private information. And by the end of the year, Google+, was done, was cooked, is gone. And then Google, you know, facing all of this pressure over Project Maven, dropped out of a $10 billion procurement by the Pentagon for the cloud technology. So this was really quite a year. This is all 2018. This mm-hmm. was it's all like, it wasn't just one thing, it was all of these things together. You know, they're all data related ethics problems, right? And that's why we're caring about like, well, what does Cambridge Analytica have to do with AI? Well, it has a lot to do with it because who's going to trust these companies to manage and store their information when they're leaking it to anybody who basically wants it, or at least that's the perception in the market. Yeah. And I think that this needed to come to a head sooner or later, and it just really started in March-ish timeframe and kind of kept going, and it was a trickle effect. So we're going to be keeping an eye on this into 2019 as well, because as we say, data and AI go hand in hand. So without data, we'll have to see what happens with AI. And then another thing that happened in 2018 that Ron and I are really excited about is we started writing for Forbes and we became regular contributors. So, you know, our Look Back podcast is supposed to be about the big game, but we can talk a little inside baseball as well. And so, you know, like I said, Ron and I are starting to write for Forbes. And so we're regularly contributing on Mm -hmm. topics related to AI. Mm -hmm. I think for those that follow us, you might see that we write for Tech Target, we write for Cognitive World, we write for CTO Vision. Now, of course, we write for Forbes. And you think, what's the difference between Forbes and the tech target and cognitive world and CTO vision and all these articles that we're writing? And that's basically, you know, we're going to focus a lot of our writing on tech target on use cases in the enterprise and what what are people actually doing? You'll see that our writing in Forbes will focus very much on what's happening in the market from an outside observation. Of course, no analysis that all happens within our Cognolytica research is just observations about the market and comments on timely articles. And I think the other thing that you'll see in some of these other periodicals is just us reinforcing a lot of things that we're telling you here, especially around automations on intelligence and the movement of making things more intelligent and really focusing on that sort of stuff. So keep an eye on all that. Yeah. So where is AI headed in 2019? Stay tuned for our next podcast to hear more about that. AI has just continued to show its strength in 2018, and it certainly shows no signs of stopping as we move into 2019. So we're really excited for the year ahead with, you know, even more big news and trends on the horizon. So, you know, definitely listen to our upcoming podcast on our 2019 predictions for where AI and the market in general is headed, the AI market. 
you know, and listeners, as always, we really do like to hear from you. So let us know what you think about our recap of 2018. If there's things you agree with, if, you know, there's things you think we missed. We just tried to hit on a few big topics, but, you know, we'd love to hear from you as well. And as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as links to any of the previous podcasts that we referenced as well. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.